so far please make sure to tell a friend if you got a friend that you know loves sports tell them to hop on here right now man and listen enjoy the show we got a lot to discuss today from nba to nfl to march madness you heard the song march madness that is what's going on right now had some upsets over the weekend some that made me happy some that did not make me so happy so we got a lot to discuss again please make sure to uh, follow us on social media. You can find the podcast on Timeout Sports Podcast or uh, at Timeout Sports Podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And we can be found on Instagram at Timeout Sports with two underscores and Twitter at Timeout Sports 3. So we have some sad news to relay uh, to start the show off. NBA legend Willis Reed passed away today at the age of 80. Um, he was one of the greatest players of all time. I mean, simply that he uh, attended a Grambling State University. So, you know, I really support that HBCU from 1960 to 1964. He then went on to be the number eight overall pick. Uh, the Round two, he was the eighth pick uh, in the NBA draft in 1964. And he played from 1964 to 1974. He was a two-time NBA champion, two-time NBA Finals MVP, uh, one-time MVP, seven-time All-Star, uh, NBA All-Star Game MVP, four-time All-NBA Second Team, uh, NBA All-Defensive First Team. He was the Rookie of the Year, uh, averaged 18.7 points per game and 13 rebounds for his career. So simply one of the greatest uh, basketball players we've ever seen. Um, and that's awful news, you know, sad news, uh, that he's passed on, but, you know, they say to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, so, we do, uh, send our condolences and our prayers to his family and everybody that cared for him, uh, like I said, he played with the New York Knicks, um, uh, so he was teammates with, uh, Earl the Pearl Monroe, uh, WSSU great, so I'm sure he's taking that news pretty tough. Uh, on today but again we send our condolences and our thoughts to his family uh, you know and he was one of those people like i said that attended an hbcu and grambling um and that was you know that was a big deal big big deal uh, in his final season at grambling 
he dominated. And when I say dominated, I mean dominated. He averaged 26.6 points per game and 21.3 rebounds per game. So, Willis Reed was a monster on the basketball court. He really was. And uh, so, it's sad to hear that he's transitioned. But, again, we send our thoughts and our condolences to his family and friends. So, transitioning from that, we're going to now talk a little bit about March Madness. Again, you heard the song starting off the show. Wow, March Madness has been crazy so far. Let's see, where do I want to start? Let's talk about the women first. So, you now have the Sweet 16 that's getting ready to take place. Uh, we had a lot of great matchups over the weekend, uh, even last night. Uh, there is no games this uh, on tonight. But last night, a couple games really resonated with me, and I want to talk a little bit about the North Carolina and Ohio State game. We know that Ohio State was the third seed and North Carolina was the sixth seed. Uh, North Carolina has a great young player in Deja Kelly. Uh, she's special. I mean, she really is. She can score in every facet of the game. When you talk about the three, when you talk about the mid-range, she can get to the rim, make free throws. She's a very, very good player, and she still has a lot of room to grow. So, uh, one thing I, I said while I was watching this game was I think that North Carolina has to recruit a little bit more so that she'll be able to get a break. When you look at this game, Deja Kelly played 36 out of the 40 minutes, and she really missed a couple of minutes due to injury. I think if she hadn't gotten hurt, she would have played the entire game. And that's asking a lot. When you don't have a bench in sports or in basketball, uh, that's asking a lot, you know, because it's when you're playing as hard as you should be, it takes a lot of energy out of you to go up and down that court and to play offense and to play defense. So I think that North Carolina has to do a better job of getting some weapons around her that they trust so that she can get a couple minutes off, even if it's 90 seconds off a couple times. You know, that would give her time to get, you know, regain her breath and um, not have to play the entire game. That's really asking a lot. But I was impressed on the Ohio State side of the ball by uh, T Taylor Mike Shell, Mike Seal, excuse me. She is a bucket. She made that three, man. She was shooting them threes at a very high level. Uh, she was four of eight last night and gave them 17 points. Um, so I was very impressed by her. You had a balanced effort by them. You had Sheldon for them, had 16 points and the game-winning floater. Well, it wasn't even really a floater. It was like a mid-range shot, but it was very impressive with about three minutes left. Uh, McManus. Hun had 14 for them, and Walker had 15. So, like I said, they had a balanced effort. Uh, that was a very good game. I enjoyed it. Um, later on tonight, we had Duke. The Duke women's basketball team disappointed me last night, man. They took a loss, uh, 61 to 53 against Colorado. Uh, just couldn't score the ball. I mean, anytime that you go 19 of 60, which is less than 32% from the floor, you're 5 of 23 from three. Uh, and you also have 21 turnovers, it's going to be hard for you to win a tournament game. So Duke just did not play a good game, um, and they lost as a result. I think that uh, Carol Lawson is a good coach. She has the potential to be a great coach. I was uh, very impressed by her job overall this year that she did with that team. But I think they're going to have to do a better job of getting more offensive players uh, WNBA player Lexi Brown talked about this last night on Twitter, how she would love to see Duke uh, get some players that can play both ends at a higher level. You know, because we got a lot of defensive players, but they're not as good offensively as you need them to be. And um, so that's really it, man. I mean, on the Duke side of the ball, I think that Elizabeth Balagon, I hope I'm saying that right, she was formidable in the paint. She was 5 of 9. Um, and had 14 points. But I don't understand why they didn't give her more opportunities. She should have got fed the ball more. And uh, in a game like this where your guards were struggling, uh, as Wilson had four points on one of nine shooting, Celeste Taylor had eight points on three of 14 shooting. So obviously the shot should have been going elsewhere. And I just think that Carol Lawson and the coaching staff needed to do a better job of getting the ball to Balagon. Um, 
you know, and running some action for her so that she can get some things going because she had an efficient game. But like I said, man, Duke and Carolina women's basketball team are gone. Um, Duke had a great year overall. I mean, it's not much you can really say negative. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they're able to do personnel-wise going forward to strengthen the team and make it a more complete team. So going forward, let's talk a little bit about um, on Friday, I believe it is. Yes, on Friday, we have some more games for the women's tournament. You'll have Miami taking on Villanova. Uh, LSU will play Utah. Colorado will face Iowa. And Ole Miss will play Louisville. So there's four Sweet 16 games that's going to take place on this Friday. Uh, check your local listings for those games and uh, be sure to tune in. And then on Saturday, you have the other batch of uh, Sweet 16 games, which will be Notre Dame versus Maryland, UCLA versus South Carolina, Ohio State versus UConn, and Tennessee against Virginia Tech. So check out those games this Friday and this Saturday for the women's uh, NCAA tournament. And uh, we'll talk next week more about what took place and uh, see, and I'll give my prediction on who I think is going to end up being the champs. So let's now talk a little bit about Angel Reese. If you're a W, not WNBA, excuse me. If you're a college basketball fan, women's college basketball fan, you know Angel Reese. Uh, Angel Reese is a flat-out monster. Uh, she is a beast on that basketball court. And the thing that's impressive is she's able to do it uh, in every facet of the game as well. She can score it, uh, and she gives energy. One of the most thing, important things about basketball is your energy. You have to consistently be bought in and not take plays off. And I think they, uh, Angel Reese does that. And so I want to talk a little bit about her performance on Sunday in which LSU defeated Michigan by a score of 66-42. to 42. Angel Reese in that game had 25 points, 24 rebounds, and 6 blocks. Maybe y'all didn't hear me. She had 25 points, 24 rebounds, and six blocks. Those type of stat lines you don't see in college basketball, whether it's a female or a male. You just don't see that kind of dominance. And uh, so, Angel Reese, man, I really do believe that she's going to play at the next level, and she's going to play at a high level at the next level. So, I'm looking forward to seeing her um, and see what she's able to accomplish. I mean, when you look at her stats, even for the year, she's averaging 23.8 points per game. 15.7 rebounds per game, and she's shooting 53.6% from the floor. The only thing that Angel Reese needs to improve upon is her three-point shot. When I'm looking at her percentages for the three, she's set uh, about 17%, and that's you know, of course, that's not going to work in the pros. And you will need to be able to shoot that. You know, she can get away with it in college, uh, not being a shooter from distance, but in the pros. Uh, I think she's definitely going to need to add that part to her game, you know, just to be able to be a competent shooter. So let's now get ready to talk a little bit about the men's tournament. Uh, I was disappointed once again by the men. Duke Blue Devils basketball team lost uh, over the weekend to Tennessee, 65-52. to Like I said about the women, I mean, I think the Duke is in a they're in a good place. Both programs have a good future, uh, but they got to get better offensively. And Duke has a, the men have a lot of weapons coming in that season, so I'm confident that they're going to be able to improve on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but they just couldn't score enough points against Tennessee over the weekend. Uh, when you look at them, they had 15 turnovers. They shot six of 22 from three. Um, and they were four, only four for seven from the line, so that's not going to work. How do you only get to the free throw line seven times? Um, and the thing I was most disappointed in is Kyle Flipowski. Um He was six of 16, zero or five from three, uh, played another awful game. I mean, and that was back-to-back games for him. And if you follow me on social media, you saw my tweet. I literally, literally said before the game that I expected Jeremy Roach to play an average game or, you know, nowhere near as good as he had been playing. And I thought that Flip needed to step it up. And he just did not. 
He did not play a good game once again, and it cost Duke. Uh, Mark Mitchell is a starter for Duke. He's an energy guy. He can get to the rack, uh, you know, defend at a high level. He was out. They, they said that they didn't find out that he was not going to be able to play until about uh, 20, I think 20 or 30 minutes before the game, which is crazy, but he suffered an injury in practice last week, and it uh, ultimately kept him out of this game. Uh, that definitely did not help. But in the end, like I said, Duke just didn't didn't get it done. I mean, uh, so we're looking forward to next season. I mean, they did win the ACC tournament, uh, so that's something. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're able to do next year. Now, this is the first time since 1980 that Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, and North Carolina will not be in the Sweet 16. 43 years. And this is the first time that none of those teams will make the Sweet 16. We know that Carolina didn't even make the tournament. So, it's, it's a rare season. I mean, we could end up seeing a team that nobody projected to win take, it, take the championship down. And that's the thing that I tell people when I'm discussing uh, college basketball is, it's like the NFL. You know, when you talk about the pros, the NBA, more times than not, the best team wins the championship. As long as there's not a major injury, uh, you know, a suspension, something like that, the best team team does normally win the championship in the NBA. But when you're talking about college basketball in the NFL, and it's a one-game, uh, basically, series, win or go home, all it takes is for you to have a bad game and you'll be sitting at home. And so it doesn't come down at the end of the day to being the best team. It just comes down to playing the best for those four, five, six games. And uh, so let's now talk a little bit about Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino is now headed to St. John's on a six-year deal. Uh, I was a little bit surprised by this. Um but they hired Rick Pitino to be their coach and gave him six years. Like I said, when you talk about six years, that's a lot of job security. I mean, I don't really understand it. I mean, especially considering he's 70 years old. I'm sorry. I'm not giving nobody 70 years old a, a coaching job for six years. I would want to do that by three years increments. But Rick Pitino is headed to St. John's. Uh, we'll be interested in seeing what job he's able to do there. Um so he is a legend. Rick Pitino is one of two men's coaches in tournament history to lead three different programs to the Final Four. He led Providence, Kentucky, and Louisville. And the other person to do it was John Calipari, who led UMass, Memphis, and Kentucky to the Final Four. So now we're going to talk uh, about the draft. We're going to talk about Victor Wimbiana, Yama. Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. It's going to be the last thing I talk about before we take a brief break. I think that Victor Wimanyamba has the potential to be special. Well, you look at a guy being about seven foot four, being able to shoot the ball in the post, being able to shoot it in mid range, being able to shoot it at three point line. He's able to put the ball on the floor, take it to the rack. I mean, it's scary the skill set that he has. The only thing that I have questions about is his frame. You're talking about going to the NBA. You're going to play against some grown men. I mean, you have guys that are, like I said, I mean, they're built. And, and Victor is very slim. So I, I wonder if he's going to be beat up on and kind of bullied uh, in the pros. Uh, and the thing is, he's so tall that he's going to kind of have to play the five uh, because they're going to need his length against centers. So I think he's going to have to ultimately gain a little bit of weight. Um, and that could change his game, though. That's the thing about that weight gain. Most of the time when you have NBA players, you notice that they're slim because he can mess your shot up. When you start putting on a whole lot of mass, it changes, it messes your form up and everything like that. So it's going to be a balance. I'm going to be intrigued to see, you know, what his trainers and people like that do for him. You know, how much weight do they think he needs to gain uh, to be able to kind of bang a little bit, but also, you know, making sure that they don't have him gain too much weight and it ultimately messes his uh, his game and his skill set up. 
So that's Victor. Like I said, has the potential to be special. Scoot Henderson is also an amazing prospect. I think that he has the potential uh, to be a very good guard. Um, you know, he he just he's very good, and he has and he has a basketball frame. That's the thing about it. He, I mean, he has a more filled out frame. He's not going to need to gain any weight. You know, he sits too, uh, about 196 pounds, and uh, he can jump out the gym. I just think he's going to be one of those players that can come in day one and have impact. And so I'm thinking it's going to go Victor number one, Scoop number two, and I think the third pick in the NBA draft will be Brandon Miller, who is playing on Alabama. Uh, Alabama uh, Brandon Miller is a very special player too. Uh, it's really nothing he can't do on the basketball court at this point. So this is a class that has three very good prospects, I believe, at the top of the list. Uh, I'm just interested in seeing where they end up, you know, because fit a lot of times is, is important. You know, you have guys, some guys that's going to be successful no matter where they end up, and then there's others that certain factors like location, you know, how far are they away from family, uh, that what is the nightlife like. Some people, you know, they need to be in certain situations for them to get the best out of themselves. Uh, but I think that if these guys stay healthy, and they stay determined, stay locked in, and, and, you know, trying to improve and being the very best players that they can be. I think all three of those guys will have very successful NBA careers. And uh, we'll be talking about them for a long time to come. So we're going to take a brief break uh, and play a song momentarily. And when I come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL. You're now tuned in to 105 Live. Hip hop and R&B lives right, 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 right here. Protesting growing national outcry George Floyd. Last night, people protesting in Minneapolis escalated as demonstrators were lashed by tear gas and rubber bullets. The main message here. The main message the here. Main message here is that they want to see those officers involved. They want to see those officers arrested. Officers arrested. Arrest, arrest, arrest. Trade my 4x4 for four, four, GC3, ain't no more freeless feet. I gave him chance, a chance, a chance again. I even told him, please. I find it crazy the police to shoot you and know that you dead, but still tell you to freeze. Love, I seen what I seen. I guess that mean hold him down if he say he can't breathe. It's too many mothers just grieving. They killing us for no reason. Been going on for too long to get it even. Throw us in cages like dogs and hyenas. I went to court and they sent me to prison. My mama was crushed when they said I can't leave. First, I was drunk, then I sobered up quick when I heard all that time that they gave it to Ali. He got a life sentence plus. We just some products of our environment. How the f they gon' blame us? You can't fight fire with fire, I know, but at least we can turn off the flames. Um. Every color Persian ain't dumb, and all whites not racist. I be judging by the mind and heart. I ain't really in the faces. Though the way that we living is not getting better, you gotta know how to survive. Crazy, I had to tell all of my lovers to carry a gun when they going outside. Stay in the mirror whenever you drive. Overprotect, go crazy for mine. You gotta pay attention to the sign. Seem like the blind following the blind. Thinking about everything that's going on. I boost security up in my home. I'm with my kind of they right or they wrong. I call him now, he'll pick up the phone. And it's five in the morning, he waking up on it. Tell him wherever I'm at, then they coming. I see blue lights, I get scared and start running. That should be crazy, they post to protect us. Swords and handcuffs and arrest us. Why they go home at night, that shit messed up. Knowing we need to help, they neglect us. One of them who gon' make them respect us. So I can see in your eye that you fed up. Go around, got my shot, I won't let up. They know that we a problem together. They know that we can strum anywhere. That's bigger than black and white. It's a problem with the whole way of life, can't change overnight But we gotta start somewhere, might as well go ahead start here We done had a hell of a year, I'ma make it count why I'm here God is the only man I fear Kid, I'm going on the front line, he gon' bust your up If you come at that gun line, you know when the storm go away Then the sunshine, got put your head in the game when it's crunch time I want all my sons to grow up to be monsters I want all my daughters to show out in public Seem like we losing our country, but we gotta stand up for something So this what it comes to, every video I see on my country now I gotta say something, corrupt the police been the problem where I'm from But I'd be lying if I said it was all of them I ain't do this for the trend, I don't follow them Altercations with the law, had a lot of them People speaking for the people, I'm proud of them Stick together, we can get it up out of them I can't lie like I don't rap about killing and dope But I'm telling my youngest to vote I did what I did, cause I didn't have no choice and no hope I was forced to just jump in and go This bullshit is all that we know, but it's time for a change Got time to be serious, no time for no gang Ain't taking no more, let us go for them chains God bless they soul, every one of them names It's bigger than black and white it's a problem with the whole way of life, can't change overnight But we gotta start somewhere, might as well go ahead start here We done had a hell of a year, I'ma make it count why I'm here God is the only man 
in black and white. It's a problem with the whole way of life. It can't change overnight. But we gotta start somewhere. Might You're now tuned in to 105 Live. Hip hop and RB lives right here. God is the only man I fear. So we back at it. Let's talk a little bit now about the NFL and the Washington Commanders. Irvin Magic Johnson, NBA legend, one of the greatest point guards and players to ever lace him up, is interested in bidding to buy the Washington Commanders. He's joined a group led by Josh Harris. And uh, like I said, they have interest in the Commanders. We know that Magic Johnson is a part owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers. So he's no stranger to being in ownership. Um, so I'm intrigued by this. I think that um, you know, Magic is a great businessman, and I think it's time for the commanders to move on from Snyder, sell that team, get it in a better direction, um, you know, and become relevant again. You know, it's hard being a commanders fan. It's like sometimes they're terrible. Sometimes they're pretty good. Well, even when they're pretty good, it's like they're, they have you sitting on the edge of your seat thinking maybe we can make the playoffs, and then something takes place, and, and they fall right back down to earth. Um, and so I think that, you know, new ownership would be a great step into getting this team back on track and uh, see can they do something, you know, because it's been a long time since the Washington Commanders have consistently been good. So the next thing we're going to talk about is Brandon Cook's Wide receiver Brandon Cooks is headed to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we know that Brandon Cooks is a very good receiver. When you look at his uh, numbers and uh, accolades, you know he has 8,616 yards so far in his career. Um, that's nine seasons. He's had six seasons of a thousand or more yards, and. Um, so I don't think he's the same player that he once was, but I think he's still able to be a number two. He's going to be a very valuable number two against uh, and alongside C.D. Lamb for the Cowboys. I hate to say that, but I do believe that Brandon Cooks, if he's healthy, he'll be able to help the Cowboys. Uh, you know, see, can they make some noise? Because every year I say that they have all the talent. See, the thing with my commanders is my commanders have a problem with getting the talent. Uh, we don't have the quarterback. We haven't had the quarterback for years. I don't know if Sam Howell will be able to be that guy. He might be. But I think that Dallas, when you look at Dallas for the last few years, they have more than one of the most talented rosters in the NFL, and they're still underachieving. That's, that's the bottom line. So, you know, once again, they're adding a guy like Brandon Cooks to that roster. We know that Stephon Gilmore is headed to the Cowboys as well. He's a future Hall of Fame cornerback who I don't think is the same as he used to be. You know, but I think he's very good still. And uh, so Dallas Cowboys got better, unfortunately, I believe, with those two moves. Uh, and we'll see what they're able to do as a result. So now I want to do something where I talk a little bit about the free agents that remain in, in the NFL. We know that a lot of players have been signed already, but there's a lot of guys that's also uh, still available. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about th some of these guys, and I'm going to kind of give a team or two that I think uh, should be interested in their services. So, I got a guy like Kenny Galladay on the list that I'm looking at. I'm going to just go ahead and say this. I don't believe nobody should be interested in Kenny Galladay's services unless he's willing to pay them. Kenny Galladay would have to pay me to play for my team. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not going to pay him. He got to pay me. I'm just I'm just being honest. I mean, Kenny Galladay was a good player uh, with the Detroit Lions years ago. But here lately, he's been awful. He drops a whole lot of passes. It just doesn't seem like he's really bought in uh, and interested in being the best player he can be. So I'm a hard pass on that. I think that a team maybe like, I don't know, one of those bottom feeder teams that's not really looking to make the playoffs, but they want to kind of have people looking at them uh, will be interested in him. Maybe a Houston, somebody like that. Uh, but other than that, I don't see many suitors for Galladay. Let's talk about Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner is a future Hall of Famer. Um, I think he's still playing at a very high level as he was a pro bowler, I believe, last year. Um, so I'm sure that there's a lot of teams interested in his services. 
I think that Michael Washington Commanders, who I just got through talking about, should be on the phone blowing him up because that's a position that we are in need of. The linebacker position is one of our weaknesses. And Bobby Wagner, like I said, is still playing at a high level. And he also would bring championship pedigree and leadership to that football team. So if I'm the Washington Commanders, I'm on the phone. I'm looking to bring in Bobby Wagner. Um, another team I think could use a guy like Wagner is uh, Minnesota, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, you know, because they could use some help too, especially in the run game. And he's a guy that can, you know, play the run and the pass at a high level. So that's Bobby Wagner. Another guy that I want to talk about is Jadavion Clowney. Jadavion Clowney, as you all, if you follow this show, you know that I, uh, I guess you could say know him personally. My cousin has coached him growing up, and uh, I met him a couple of times and worked a couple of his football camps. Uh, I think that at this point of his career, I can't see him not wanting to play for a contender, a good team. And so I think two options for him would be the Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs, and the uh, Minnesota Vikings, as I just talked about. I think the Minnesota Vikings, if you look at statistics, their run defense has been awful for the last few years. And Clowney has not, you know, been a high sack guy. But he, when you look at statistics, he's a very, very good run block, uh, run defender. And so I think if you bring him in, it would, it would uh, automatically make their run defense better. So Kansas City, maybe Minnesota, uh, maybe Buffalo. Those are some teams I can see bringing him in. What's some other guys, man? We got a long list I'm looking at. Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette, I think, is a guy that I've talked about on previous shows that needs to get in better shape. Um, you know, he needs to take his training serious this offseason, get down to about 230 pounds, maybe 225, and uh, be ready to come back with a vengeance this year because last year he was not very good. Uh, but I think teams that may be interested in him um, – I could see a team like Buffalo being interested in him, the Buffalo Bills. Um, I could see hmm, what teams really could use him. Maybe the Broncos, Denver Broncos. I think they could use him. Yeah, I think I think I like that one. The Denver Broncos. Uh, he would go out there and be with, alongside Russell Wilson. Uh, I could see that. So, Fortnite is a guy that I think will have a couple suitors. Uh, Julio Jones. Julio Jones, in my estimation, should retire. I just think that, you know, he's done all he needs to do. I mean, he don't have that championship, but I don't think he's going to get it. And he's a guy that's still able to play at a high level, you know. He's still a good receiver if he's healthy, but he's not able to stay healthy. And so, I just I just can't see wanting to, him wanting to play for year after year playing seven or eight games out of 17. Uh, he's got, he should have plenty of money. I ain't going to say he does because I'm not in his bank account. But if he's taking care of his money the way that he should, he's got plenty of money. Um, and he, like I said, he's a future Hall of Famer and one of the very best receivers of all time. Uh, it was a privilege to watch Julio Jones play football. So if I were him, I would actually retire. But if he doesn't, I could see a few teams um, that are looking for leadership Again, maybe the Chiefs, you know, because they have a lot of needs in the wide receiver department. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, teams like that, I could see maybe giving him a look uh, at a low contract. Kareem Hunt, running back out of Cleveland. Kareem Hunt is a very good back. He's able to run the ball at a high level, and he's a dual threat. He can pass catch. I think that Buffalo should be interested. I've said Buffalo a lot, but I think there's time for them to make a couple moves that can really make them a contender. Uh, I think the Buffalo should definitely be interested in Kareem Hunt services because, you know, they lost Devin Singletary. Uh, but they let him leave. And uh, so Kareem Hunt could help them tremendously. I would love to see my Washington Commanders once again go after Kareem Hunt uh, because when you look at the Commanders, we have Brian Robinson Jr., who is a good runner. He's not really a pass catcher. And then you have Antonio Gibson, who is more – He's a running back, but he's really like a wide receiver. He's a better pass catcher than he is a running back. And so I think you have guys that really specialize in one or the other, but Kareem Hunt would bring an element of being able to do both at a high level. 
couple more guys I want to talk about. Hmm. Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry is a wide receiver. We know has accomplished a lot in this league. Um, he's been injury ridden for the last few years, not able to reach his potential. Uh, but I think if he's able to stay on the field, he can he can bring some things to certain teams. Um, I could see a team like Philly being interested in Jarvis Landry, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I could see a team like the Colts, the Tennessee Titans. I think Tennessee definitely could use him. Their wide receiver core is not good at all. Um, but it's going to probably depend on how much money he wants. And like I said, with his injury history, they probably won't be willing to give him a whole lot of money uh, guaranteed at that. They might be wanting to do a more a more of a uh, incentive-based contract with Jarvis Landry. Let's talk about hmm, so many guys on this list, man. Still a lot of quality free agents left, in my opinion. Um, I think Irv Smith is a guy I'm intrigued by for the Washington Commanders as well. Irv Smith is a tight end out of Minnesota, and that's another one of our needs. Uh, I think that he could come in, come right in, and be able to help and be a weapon uh, for Sam Howell. So... I could see uh, Minnesota, uh, my, not Miami, Washington going after Irv Smith. Um, Dallas might be interested in Irv Smith because they got rid of Dalton Schultz. Uh, it was reported that they offered him a contract, I believe, during the season at about 11 or $12 million a year, and he declined it. And now he's um, got a new contract for one year, I think $8 million. So he's losing money. You know, sometimes you got to, Figure out who you're talking to, your circle. Make sure your circle is giving you good advice uh, because he just lost out on $30 million potentially guaranteed. Odell Beckham Jr. How did I forget Odell Beckham Jr.? Odell Beckham Jr. is one of the more gifted wide receivers in the game. Um, But again, it's injuries. Injury history is a major question mark. You just don't know if you're going to be able to get him on the field. Uh, for five games, for 10 games, or for 12 games. You just don't know. Uh, but I think there's some teams that are going to be definitely interested in Odell. Um, a lot of teams. I mean, I can see pretty much our whole division being interested in him, except for Dallas. I don't think Dallas would go after him now because they got uh, Brandon Cooks, as I've said. But I could see uh, teams like the uh, Jets. We know that Aaron Rodgers is expected to be a Jet, and they've already said that he wants him. He's on his wish list. Uh, I can see the Jets being interested in him. I can see the Jaguars being interested in him. Buffalo. Why not go down there and play with Josh Allen? You know, they lost Isaiah McKenzie, and so Odell Beckham Jr. would be able to come in and replace some of that skill set. So, actually, if I'm him, if they can give me a contract worth of doing – I would go down there to Buffalo probably. Um, and it's being said that he wants $20 million, but he tweeted about that and said, Who's, I didn't say I wanted $20 million, but he said I'm not going to take four. And so I guess some teams are trying to offer him $4 million. And, yeah, that's unrealistic. Uh, I know his injury history is a question mark, but I think that Odell Beckham Jr., I think a fair deal for him would be a one-year deal. I think I would probably give him $10 million guaranteed. And I would allow him the opportunity to work up to 15 with incentives. So, you know, he had a certain amount of catches, touchdowns, whatever the case may be. With those incentives, he would be able to get up to $15 million. So those are the free agents that we're going to touch on for today. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about uh, we had a retirement today in the NFL. And, uh, you know, you play a long time. Hopefully, if you take care of your money, you're able to retire and have a great life. And so, Patriots linebacker, former linebacker, Dante Dante Hightower has retired at the age of 33. Uh, He was a three-time Super Bowl champion and a two-time Pro Bowler. And so, do want to wish him uh, 
well in his retirement. Uh, hope that he enjoys the rest of his life and, uh, you know, thank him for what he was able to do on the football field uh, on Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays. Now, Cam Newton. Lord have mercy. Y'all know that Cam Newton is not one of my favorites when you talk about it as a football player. I think he's a cool person if I was to meet him. You know, but I think he thinks a little bit more of himself than what he actually is in 2023, especially. Uh, Cam Newton has made numerous videos basically saying there's not 32 quarterbacks better than me. You know, why don't I have a starting job? You know, all this and all that. And so today, he threw at Auburn's Pro Day in hopes of landing, you know, a job. Um, And like it was said on Undisputed today with Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp, if he knew he was trying to get back into the league this year, especially as a starter, why wouldn't he do some kind of pro day like this as soon as the season ended? I'm talking about the very next Monday. Because when you are doing something like this, this late into the game, I mean, the draft is, people are looking at draft board trying to figure out what they're going to do. They've already made some trades for quarterbacks. They've already signed free agent quarterbacks. So he's already late in the game. And uh, I just don't think that Cam Newton... Is the player that he thinks he is. I think, you know, maybe it's himself. Maybe it's people that's in his circle that's feeding him this stuff. But when you look at the numbers, Cam Newton has not been a dominant NFL quarterback in years. He just hasn't. So when you say there's not 32 quarterbacks better than you, some would argue there's 48 better. Not 32, 48. I just, I just don't know. And the thing about it is, with his personality, I think he's a guy that has a big – his personality is too big for teams to want him to come in and be the backup. You know, because he could probably – he'll probably end up ruining the chemistry. And not even on pur- purpose necessarily. But, you know, his name being so big, it's like, say a team has a bridge quarterback. Not one of those elite guys, but has a guy that's okay, but not really solidified in the league. And they have a couple bad games. Well, now the, the fans and his, you know, all of his stands, they're going to be saying, Cam need to be in. Put Cam in. Cam in. And it's just, that can be a headache. So, I, I just don't know, man. I think Cam Newt got to let it go. Um, if he wants to continue to play in the NFL, he's going to have to dumb it down a little bit uh, and take a backup role because I just don't see nobody wanting him to be their starting quarterback in 2023. So that's going to wrap up the NFL talk. We have about 10 to, well, we have about 15 minutes left in today's show. Uh, I do want to now talk a little bit about my brand. If you've been uh, tuned in every week, you know that I recently started a clothing brand called Millionaire in the Making. Uh, the Instagram account is MITM, the brand. MITM, the brand. If you're somebody right now that may be working a nine to five, um, you know, and you know that where you are today is not your ultimate destination. You know that you're not going to stop until you get to where you want to be uh, and be able to help yourself and others, you know, wealthy. I don't believe that God created me to be a guy that makes 50, 60, $80,000 a year, has to work time 70 years old, and and then that's just it. No, I believe that I'm supposed to be living an amazing lifestyle, be able to bless people, help people. And so that's why I created this brand, man. I think that it was created to encourage myself daily when I put on this shirt. You know, it might be a morning that I'm not feeling good, I'm tired, whether it's physically or mentally. But when I put this shirt on, man, it's going to remind me that everything that I'm enduring, everything that I'm going through is a part of the process and will ultimately help me get to where I want to be. So if you're a part of that mindset, join the movement, follow us on Instagram, and uh you know, go on there to the Shopify store, get your shirt. Uh, and, and like I said, join the movement, man, and, and understand that you can get to where you want to be. It's all about your mindset uh, and knowing that, you know, like I said, it's all a part of the process, all a part of his plan. Uh, and so that's what I wanted to talk about briefly. Uh, we're going to now get ready to take our last break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss a few more topics, such as some NBA news. Um, and I'm also do my famous rough rant. What's really bothering me this week in the sports news? Um, and so get ready to listen to some music for a moment. And when we come back, we'll wrap up.
You're now tuned in to 105 Live. Hip hop and RB lives right, 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 right here. Wrapping this show up, we got about 10 more minutes left. So let's talk now a little bit about LeBron James and the Lakers. I want to pose a question Should the Lakers shut LeBron down? We know that LeBron James is in year 20, he's 38 years of age, the number one uh, all time scorer leader in the NBA. But he's dealing with uh, ankle slash foot injury that's kept him out for weeks. Um, and I just, I just wonder, I'm going back and forth about should they shut him down. The Lakers are currently in the 11th seed in the West, uh, but they're only, what's it, they're two and a half games back from being like the 6th seed. So, I mean, it's very close in the, one and a half games back, excuse me, one and a half games back from the 6th seed. So, the West is very tight. The, the race is uh, close. And so, I think if you're the Lakers, I think you play the Nets week or so and you see if you can win some games if you end up you know able to get up to maybe the eight uh then you bring lebron back as long as he's healthy um you know at least 90 percent healthy i think if you've got to bring him back at 75 80 percent no because it's just not worth it in the long run you know he still wants to play two three four more years at this point and so i wouldn't shut him down yet but i would kind of play it out see baby how they do in the next three or four games and then if they look like they're able to do some things, bring him back. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the NBA MVP discussion. I've got four names that I think are the top four candidates this year, and that's Joel Embiid. That's Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Jason Tatum. Now, I think that my MVP right now, I got to give it to Joel Embiid. I was with Jokic for... 
a long time up until about a week and a half, two weeks ago. But I think that the Denver Nuggets are just losing way too much lately. Uh, you know, their record is still good because they started off so great. But I just can't justify giving MVP to somebody uh, just telling off like this. I think they've lost about five out of their last six games. And uh, when you look at Joel Embiid, man, what he's doing is special. He's playing 35 minutes per game, averaging 33.6 points per game, 54.6% from the uh, floor, and 35% from three. He's also giving you 10.3 rebounds a game and 4.1 assists. So we know that Joel Embiid has finished high in the MVP uh, rankings uh, lately, but he hasn't been able to win it. And I think this is going to end up being the year that he finally wins him an MVP uh, me and my mom were talking about it, and uh, she said that Joel Embiid might cry if he, if they don't give it to him this year. <laughs> and I can agree with that sentiment because it's like he he's uh, begging for it. I mean, he, if you had, pull up an interview with Joel Embiid, and you'll hear how he's saying, you know, basically, I, it's, what do I got to do to get the MVP? He wants it bad. And uh, so I think he's going to ultimately win it this year. Uh, but my question remains, is Philly a true contender? I'm just not sure. Uh, James Harden is a guy that is no longer the same player. He can put together certain games where he looks amazing, but then he'll have games like he did last night in a loss where he had five points. So, Tobias Harris is a good player, but I don't know if he's consistently great. Uh, Tyrese Maxey is a young player that's good. I think he has a very bright future. But I just think that uh, Philly still lacks a few pieces i think that matisse Thibel is a guy that they let go of and i'm not surprised by it because he just hasn't improved his overall game uh he's always been a defender but he's just not an offensive player and i think what hurt them is the fact that he just did not like i said become a better player offensive i think if matisse Thibel had became the player we thought he could be and that's just being a formidable offensive player i think that that would have helped philly tremendously uh, P.J. Tucker is a guy that they signed who's like 38 years old. Uh, most of the time, he don't even score. I mean, literally zero points. And, you know, he plays defense at a semi-high level at this point. I don't think he he's what he used to be. But I think that Philly's missing a couple pieces to be able to truly contend with a team like Boston when they're healthy, a team like Milwaukee when they're healthy. I don't think Philly's coming out the East. But I guess we'll see. So, Ja Morant, Memphis Grizzlies point guard, superstar, Ja Morant, is now back. He did not play on Monday night due to conditioning. You know, he had missed eight games, and so I guess they sat him out again Monday so that he could get a little bit more work in as far as treadmill, trying to get his win back. But he's expected to play on tomorrow night, which will be Wednesday. And um, so I know they're excited. Memphis Grizzlies are excited to have him back on the court. Like I said, I do hope that he's took care of his mental. He's in a much better space. And uh, he'll be able to be the player and the person that his uh, family and the world wants him to be. We're going to now talk about Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is a point guard for the Portland Trailblazers, a superstar. Or some would say superstar, maybe star. But he's a great player nevertheless. Uh, they're talking about shutting him down. And I got a bone to pick with them about this. I just think that you're playing these NBA players $40, $50, 60000000 million in some cases to play basketball. And I just cannot justify shutting a guy down with five or six games left just because you know you're not going to make the playoffs. If that guy is healthy, he needs to be on the basketball court because you're getting paid to play 82 games, not play 75. And the thing is, it's unfair to the fans who spend their hard-earned money to go to these games. Now, won't, you won't ever catch me. Because I, I'm smart enough to know, especially with these teams that uh, are bad, I'm not buying tickets to no game the, last, the second last game of the season or the fourth last game of the season. And, you know, I got to pray that they're going to play their star players. I'm not doing it. But there are certain fans that just do that. Um, and they're hoping to see Damian Lillard play in the last week of the season. And if they shut him down for absolutely no reason at all, that's just not right. Uh, so I hope they do not go through with this. Um, I think Adam Silver's got to really crack down on this this uh, low managing and this all this resting and, and and stuff like that because, like I said, it, it takes away from the product. And the paying customer is the only reason why these athletes are able to be who they are. 
If John Morant was a great basketball player and nobody paid to see him, he would be just that. He would be a great basketball player that went outside and played at the park and his friends knew about him. But because of the fans who show him so much support and so much love, uh, Damian Lillard, you know, all these players, that's the reason why they're able to make 40 and 50 and 60 million dollars a year and set up their families for generational wealth. Um, so, Adam Silver, I want to ask you, this is not even my rough rant, but it's going to be uh, honor, honorable mention for the rough rant. Get this load managing and this sitting out out of the basketball. Can we get this out of here? If these players are healthy enough to play, they need to be on the basketball court, and it's really as simple as that. I want to now talk about Kyrie Irving and Dylan Brooks. Last night at their game, uh, Dylan Brooks had been chirping, as he's always doing. He said he wanted to guard Kyrie every possession, and and so they ended up playing against each other, and at the end of the game, D- Dylan Brooks wanted to jersey swap with Kyrie, and uh, <laughs> he got stood up. Kyrie gave him his jersey, but but uh, Kyrie didn't take Dylan's jersey back, and so you know he he looked kind of crazy in that instance. But you know, I guess Kyrie said he was looking forward to the next thing. I guess he was in a rush. I don't know that I believe that. I think he just didn't want his jersey. I mean, it is what it is. Dylan Brooks is a guy that rubs a lot of people the wrong way, um, but that's who he is. I think that's the only reason why he's able to be the player he is, similar to Patrick Beverly. You know, they're not the most gifted basketball players, but that edge uh, is the reason why they're relevant. So, that's who he is. The last couple things I'm going to discuss is Alabama defensive back Tony Mitchell drove 141 miles per hour before being arrested last week in Florida. They need to take his license and make him sit down for some months because that's just reckless behavior. It's inexcusable. Uh, it could have put the lives of other people, innocent people, in danger. And I'm just not okay with that. And so I think you got to teach him a lesson and take his license. And have him have to catch Ubers, Lyfts, whatever the case may be. Uh, because it's just it's just reckless and it's inexcusable. They said the police recovered 226 grams of marijuana and $7,000 in cash. I mean, wh- why are you in such a rush? You're in a rush to go nowhere. So Tony Mitchell, he got to do better, man. And that's the thing, that one of the things that my mom tells me all the time, what she used to especially, uh, is make wise decisions. It's a real simple sentence, but it's very important. You know, one decision that you make could change your life forever. Henry Ruggs is now going to probably spend the majority of the rest of his life in prison because he got behind the wheel and was driving reckless and people died. It's one decision, man. It can happen in a split second. So just make wise decisions. It's very important. Now, my rough rant as we get out of here, my rough rant is the ACC officials. These college basketball ACC officials have been awful in these, some of these games I've been watching. I mean, just just, just awful calls, man. Just, just terrible. And I talked about this before in my rough rant. We got to do a better job in sports. If you're going to hold the players accountable... For their actions, whether it's, you know, giving them technical fouls for what they say to you. Got to hold these referees accountable as well. They're not making as much as the players in the NBA, especially, or the pros. But they're making a living. And so, they need to be held accountable. You know, start finding them when they just do stuff that's egregious. It's like I talked about last week. You had the Jordan Poole situation where he was given a technical foul for literally throwing the ball at the ref. You got to get the ball back to the ref where you continue to play. He didn't throw it at his head. He didn't, you know, he literally threw it by his legs where you would normally throw the ball, and the ref was emotional, and he gave him a technical. So I just I just think that these officials got to be held accountable for their action. Um, and that's the only way that the product will be what it needs to be. That's just it. So, again, I do appreciate everybody to tune in to this show. We'll be here at the same time and the same place next week. Uh, again, please make sure that you are following us on all social media platforms. Uh, also, make sure to follow the WNBA League Fits Instagram page and the Twitter WNBA. I mean, Fits underscore WNBA. WNBA season is getting ready to return in less than two months, and so you will be able to see what the ladies are pulling up in their game day fits. Uh, again, I do appreciate everybody for tuning in, and we'll talk again next week. Have a great week.
You're now tuned in to 105 Live. Hip hop and R&B lives right, 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 right here.